to Cracking the Reality Code, a podcast exploring consciousness, ancient wisdom, healing, plant medicine, and new science. Our website is crackingtherealitycode.com, where you'll find free articles and blogs on all our topics. Hello, uh, welcome to Cracking the Reality Code. I'm Johanna Sand, and we're here recording on Cracking with two of our collaborators, Sue Terry and Magdalene Harishoff, who have been recording on Cracking for a number of years now. So thank you for tuning in. And uh, it's been a, a little while since we've done a recording, so I, I know... Uh, I just want to share with our uh, collective, what I call psychosis and trauma that we've been involved with for a number of years now that seems a little more intense than anything I remember, any other cycles of, of the life that I've lived, and how that's affecting us and how it's translating in, into our personal lives and what I can also state for myself, um, it's been something that's very, very difficult to put in words. But if I if I were to really look at what is my spiritual yearning or what is what is this that I call a spiritual life? Why am I drawn to this? And what do I feel are its rewards? And I thought to, I really had to examine that in in a very intense way, particularly this summer when I've been dealing, uh, I've, back, I've been back in the United States for about five months and dealing with a lot of family issues and things, totally unexpected things that were pulled the rug out from my sense of what was, what should happen or what was supposed to happen. So that always gives you a lot of grist for the mill, as they say. So I'm opening it up. And as usual, the way that things seem to unravel for me in my curriculum of what I feel in the mirror of my life that it is showing me, and from this, call it the spiritual vantage point, it's what am I mining out of this? What am I looking for? And I could genuinely say, and I'm pretty sure I'm not alone in this, is the longing to be connected, the longing to know, not conceptually, not as a belief, not as something I can say with words, but that I can honestly and truly live this connection to life, spirit, God, consciousness, whatever that is, and that that, that energy lives inside of me and us. It really, truly does. I could, I guess I could say that with real certainty. And it's not to be gathered even though there's plenty of techniques, there's plenty of roads, there's plenty of things in the mirror, but it really has to be a lived and realized energy. It's like we can fake it till we make it, and there isn't any one destination. But I think that's kind of what I wanted to bring up today, because with my two collaborators here, I feel they have that finger on that pulse, and I'm really interested in us kind of like sharing in a very honest and true way. Hey, what's what's up for us? So uh, bringing that out, I want to make one more comment because I'm going to bring, some, which I wasn't intending to, but I'm going to bring uh, someone else in the room here that really inspired me yesterday. And as usual, life is very serendipitous. I had no intention on getting into this material, but I sent out something to Magdalena and Sue, and I mentioned this woman, Mirabai Starr, who I love her language. And I used a, a, a description she used, of which I'll find later and share. I just forgot it. 
Magdalena sent me back a video that she had just seen of hers. And I just casually clicked on the video and I almost was, I mean, I very rarely cry, which is something I look at occasionally and hope to remedy more. But you want to cry more? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) We'll get into that later. But, but, But I was just you know, I, I was almost in tears with the beauty of what I felt uh, from Mirabai. So I want to bring her in the room a little because I feel she she kind of was the guiding uh, energy for this talk. And uh, for me, anyway, as I was with it all night and even this morning, I feel in a slightly altered state because I feel she is one of the many, not not so many, but one of the beings around that I feel is breaking new, breaking ground and bringing the fem- much needed feminine. And again, we can use overuse that dynamic of masculine and feminine. But she has studied the feminine mystics. She's an author. She has been in a real interfaith kind of life where she's been very much involved with many of the Eastern thought teachers and, and as well as the Christian mystics and was all about an embodied spirituality. And I think those of us in present company, we come out of a, all of us come out of a, of a more uh, vertical patriarchal, patriarchal, um, structure of, of of spirituality, religion, where it's all about transcendence, and I I love transcendence. I'm not at all saying it's not, you know, essential to us. But I'm going to leave it there and pass the baton here, and let's hear from you guys on that theme or something entirely new. Well, you know, she. Uh... The, the name of that YouTube is called Divine Meltdown. And uh, she talks about how she got COVID, was very, very ill. And her mother's partner, her stepfather was dying. And then I think another, uh, maybe another stepfather, I'm, I'm not sure, was also dying at the same time. And she wanted to support her mother, but she couldn't because she had COVID. And so it was one of those situations where everything was a meltdown, basically. And um, she had to had to come from there somehow and manage to go through it, which she did. So that's where she kind of comes from in terms of, of what are our tools in order to work through a situation like that. And she did talk about spirituality or or she calls it a divine meltdown which is certainly a bit of an oxymoron because a meltdown is a meltdown and it's hardly divine but she does talk about uh, that all those emotions are part of what we go through in our life and um, she calls it an opportunity which I always have a little difficulty with you know I mean like who needs these meltdowns? But they do come. And so then she goes into the various tools, uh, um, playing her Tibetan bell, uh, going outside in nature, um, sitting with her mystics, etc. And there, there were more things that she said. And so I think where, what, where, where you wanted to go with this is like, okay, if we have meltdowns, or we, we certainly know we're going through difficult times on many levels, and how are we coping? And I, I will go into that, but I'm going to turn it over to Sue for a little while now that she's got some background. Okay, so as I warned everyone, um, I was out of town, I was in Quito, I was doing concerts. As soon as I came back, we had guests. So I've had no time to review these videos and things that you guys have gone back and forth with. So I don't know what what that was all about. So I'm really coming to the podcast today just um, uh, sort of unprepared with 
anything. You you guys know I normally come with like a reading or some references and yes. things like that. So I don't have anything like that today. So it's all um, homegrown, whatever's in 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 here. Yeah, we do have your brain, here. though. We do yeah. have your brain, yeah, <laughs> and your soul. So yeah. we know that you can you can uh, respond on some level, <laughs> on even some if level. you don't have quotes. <laughs> so I'll just say, in reference to well, Johanna's asking, you know, where are we at, and how are we translating um, current events and topics and into our spiritual path how are we integrating uh, the outside world into our spiritual path that present or how is our spiritual path changing as a result maybe of those things that this is i guess is the essence mm-hmm. of the question am i correct mm-hmm. so um i you know I love what you were saying, Johanna, about knowing, you know, because we use that a lot in music. It's like there's just things that you know that you can't really explain uh, to anyone else. It's just like, well, I I know, you know, that you're playing B flat uh, to G7 to, you know, E minor 7 flat 5 to A7 uh, flat 13, whatever. I know. I just know that. I, I I don't know how I know that just from training or whatever. So it's just a knowing, or how do I know what's needed at a certain point in the music when we're uh, creating spontaneously composed music, let's say. How do I know what's needed? I don't know how I know. I just know. And that's how I I go. So along those lines, uh, as you guys know, I have a huge library of books here, as does Johnny, my husband. And um, so sometimes I just look at this, my library, it has a ladder and everything. And I look at it and I just, sometimes I'm drawn to a book. So I saw this book. I see it all the time, but this one day, um, a couple weeks ago, my eye really went to it. The Mists of Avalon by Marion Zimmer Bradley. And perhaps you guys have read that. Well, I, I read it a long time ago, but I, had forgotten what it was i knew remembered what it was about but i had forgotten um the little plot lines and the details and and everything so i said i'm going to read this again and it's huge it's a tome it's like war and peace so i started reading it again and now i'm almost finished with it and what i was really struck by that I didn't remember being struck by this before when I read it was the dichotomy it presents. It's, it takes place in uh, the time of Camelot art, the reign of Arthur, uh, the Merlin of Britain and uh, Morgane of the fairies. And it's told from the women's perspective. So the characters of, of the women are the ones who are telling the story, which was a nice angle to present. It's a very, very good book. I, I recommend it. And in the book, they constantly are fighting the two modes of religious feeling and thought. Because at that time, Christianity was really starting to take over. And more than Christianity the hierarchy of of the church so the hierarchy of the bishops and the and the priests and with that of course came even more of a rise in patriarchy the women became even less than they were already you know they already weren't weren't very high up and when the priests came you know the women went down even more as opposed to the Avalon tradition of the Druids, which revered the women, the women, the and they they revered the goddess. So they never talked about the god. They the god. They talked about the goddess, right? So the throughout the whole book is this clash of these two trains of of thought and. It really spoke to me because it reflected what I see happening 
in the world outside how uh, uh, everybody being very dogmatic about what they believe and the the different sides of the beliefs coming against each other and creating conflicts and neither side being able to accept the other side. So this is what I'm uh, thinking about now that I'm kind of finishing up this novel and I'm reflecting about my own role in that scenario. Who said you weren't prepared? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's 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 a riff, right, ladies? It's a you know, it's that's I think the, what we want with this. But Johanna, it, what did you get out of that? Uh, you said that that uh, video f by Mirabai Star really hit you, and yeah. I would like to know what 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 got you. Well, me too. I, I, I want to know too. Okay. Well, let me see if I can share. And I I, I evoked the tears that are rare for this character here. But the 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 and I, I spoke to it a little early, I just felt imbued. Like who knows how these keys open up? Like you read that novel, it moved you, right? It shifted your perception. You just saw it on the bookshelf. You just took it off. And yesterday, Magdalena sends me this video. Who, who knew? I'm just clicking because I'm, you know, curious. And then I'm going like, oh. The universe has given me the curriculum I need right now, right now. And the curriculum to me, how I feel it's working for me, kind of our question for today, is my heart started opening up and I melted. I felt the presence of this unconditional energy, spacious, unbounded energy, of which it is me, who I really am. Instead of paying attention to the thought reels that generally run in our minds, I would say our collective and personal minds. And I said, oh, Mirabai is transmitting to me this energy of love. And she's just being herself. It wasn't like she's above me or less than or more than. So being in that, I don't know if that answers the question. And now it might not have spoken to either one of you, you know, had we all, you know, it spoke to Magdalena a bit and, you know, maybe it will to you or not, Sue. But the essence is this is working, this, this spiritual <clears throat> transfiguration, which is to take the suffering and the polarity the positionality of our personal and collective selves that we are entrenched in now in a way that I think I haven't seen in my lifetime. And I can see it playing out in my personal life too. And I see it not as something that's going wrong. It's something that is happening. It's the isness of it. It is what is. And what is, is not to be like, oh, you know, let's just surrender to everything and, you know, not resist or not stand up for ourselves. I'm not saying that. But it is, I think, what we're pointing to here. How do we function in this world, in our personal collective lives, be very much not in accord with what is appearing and what's going on? stand up for ourselves, create our boundaries, and at the same time, know that this is all divine. Even the shadows, the shadows are here. And this is what Mirabai translated to me yesterday. The shadows are here, but they're divine too. They have the key, meaning it's not like we agree and, you know, if we have an impulse to kill somebody, we do it, you know, of course. But it's like understanding what these shadows are, you know, how they're, they're portals for us. Anyway, that's my answer. I don't know if that was probably more than you asked for, but why I just felt so inspired. And I feel inspired 
right now, and I know this afternoon I might be taken over by an avalanche of grief, mm-hmm. you know, or I probably will run into some conflict with my partner of many years who's living here and we've been separating everything. You know, I'm not saying that, but it's the momentum of having this this connection to this infinite energy that will sustain us no matter what. That's what I'm looking for, not to be, anyway, that's enough for me. Yeah. Well, let me, uh, let me um, give you some thoughts about what I, how I reacted to the video. I thought it was a lovely video, but it, uh, it didn't uh, hit me like it did you. And I, I certainly saw her little to, her toolkit and what works for her. And what it reminded me of is that I've been struggling with all these spiritual teachings of lots of people who have good things to say, etc. And I'm finding myself getting very impatient. I don't want to hear it anymore. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to hear one more person say, you got to go and ring this bell or you've got to go do this. Because bottom line, when I have a meltdown, there's not hardly anything I can do but sit with it and, and wait for it to pass. And I can do my meditation, but it doesn't work. I can do Kelly Locke's breathing, which is great. You know, his mini breathing and you you get into your heart space. But when I have a meltdown, there is no heart space, at least not one that I can connect to. <laughs> and, but I know it's there. You know, it's kind of lovely we're talking about. We, we, we do know that there is something in all of us that eventually will come up and where we will resonate and feel at peace again. But there's no way of knowing how long this takes. And all I can do is sit with it. Now I have my little tools too. You know, I can get all my crystals out of the freezer and put them all over my body and plug myself in with Tibetan bowls. And that that will definitely help. And I can I can feel how it will re-energize, rebalance me, you know, but um, I wouldn't say that's what you should do or, or Sue should do, you know. I think we all kind of have to find our own place of how to work through these meltdowns. Now, are meltdowns divine? Well, maybe in the ultimate that they are what they are, um, but they sure don't feel good. And um, they're certainly a challenge. Mm-hmm. And and I find it very interesting that I've you know on my my Facebook I have a lot of forums and so a lot of spiritual teachers on them I followed for a long time and now when I see them okay go away go away and I keep <laughs> flipping through all of them you know yeah. and so for me that obviously means and we we you've talked about that Joanna it always comes back to us and. We're, we're how we're going to find our answers. Now, we can be oblivious about everything. We can dive deep into traumas and go down that path uh, if that's where we're at, you know, but it's, it's so, if we still have to do our own work and find our own path. And the only thing I can say is that we do, we cannot run away from it. I'm, I'm committed to the fact that um, I want to be a good person. I want to be a loving person. I want to be a compassionate person. But I also know that I can get angry and that I can get mean and that I can get shitty, you know, but uh, we muddle through. Yeah. Well, I'd like to comment that in our spiritual lives, we engage in certain trainings, right? And uh, these trainings are the same types of trainings that a musician does or a martial artist does. These are uh, trainings that you use to prepare yourself for meltdown situations. Because in at, clearly, as Magdalena has um, has so uh, explained, 
when you're in the meltdown, there's nothing you can do. But your training, hopefully, that you've done prior, you know, in the years prior to the when the meltdown occurs, that training helps you get through it. So that's important. Um, now, secondly, there's a, a very important question I have to address to Magdalena regarding something that you said. You keep your crystals in the freezer? <laughs> What's the... Yeah. I, I keep it in the freezer because um, then it pulls out all... Uh, I took some... Uh, actually, in Paute here, I took some therapy sessions with a lady who uh, used crystals and they, and they were all frozen. And when they first are put on your body, there's, they're on my eyes, they're on my third, um, third eye, they're in my neck, they're um, in my belly button, they're in my um, uh, joint where my leg joints my body. And when the first you put them on, it's like, like almost like an acupuncture treatment because very, very cold. But it's amazing how fast the crystals heat up by the body. And once they are really warm, they're, they're not nearly as exciting for me as that initial stage. Because for me, it feels like uh, it's pulling stuff out of the body. Mm -hmm. and, and as it warms, it, as the cold disappears, it all pulls it all up. And then the stones get full. So then when I'm done with them, I wash them with salt and dry them, and they go back in the freezer. Thank you. I'm going to try that. <laughs> Good. <laughs> We've brought up, you know, what we call techniques and processes, of which I think present company has experienced many. And I'm not saying I'm not always on the lookout. It just I mean, I always call myself a spiritual nerd. You know, I'm always very interested in hearing about stuff. But any any interest can be an obsession as well. <laughs> you know, so you got to be careful. But uh, you know, getting into the what we call the meltdown, the states that are very dissonant that we all experience. Now, it could be anger could be victimhood feeling like, man, I am fucking at the effect of these people. They're fucking with me. They're ruining my life. Or, you know, we go through these things. We feel betrayals. We feel all kinds of things. People don't, ourselves, we're not performing the way we think we should. People aren't performing the way we, you know, we expect them to. So within that, to you know what I've been seeing, yeah, we can use techniques, we can meditate, we can use crystals, we can use whatever thing that will give us relief. But the difference, at least what I'm ex the experiencing, particularly a lot this summer, it's I feel this kind of invitation to go into these things in a way that's very new for me. And by that I mean is I, I've spent most of my existence resisting going into these very unpleasant feelings. I always wanted to get away from them. And I'm pretty good at it. I've got a very transcendent streak in me that really served me very well. My work with plant medicine, not a very, what do you call it, committed, serious, long-term, many hours meditator, but you know, whatever I can do to shift things. But what I'm what I'm seeing, and I it's, this is first time I've actually put words to it, the more that I seem to be preparing or welcoming things that I was pushing away unconsciously, it is has become the portal. What I mean by portal is the w place where I feel transfiguration. I'm not even sure what that word means, but I love the word, <laughs> you know, because it feels like it's trans, it's changing, transforming energy. And out of that transformance of energy, what even what I call evil energy, and we certainly all have many ideas about evil and how they're appearing in our life, depending on what our beliefs are, how we're seeing the world, how we're feeling it inside of us. 
And so it's it's almost as if the more I see this in a very deep way as energy, and it's happening to me in the in the evenings where I definitely am going in my uh, awake in bed hours, going more into these, and it really is energy, and and it's terror. <laughs> I, that's what I can call it, and it's been there, tamped down, and. What I'm excited about, not to feel this because it's very difficult, but it's seeing what happens energetically in the transmutation of that energy. So that's what I'm pointing to for me. Like it's what we call the good evil dynamic, the dualistic dynamic, the shadow, you know, young. I'm getting, you know, Sue's got a bunch of young, what the big red book in your place. I mean, I was aware of him and studied him to a certain degree. And I'm not saying there aren't people who have even gone beyond what he was presenting us, but it is the power of that. So I'm kind of seeing it more now like, well, what is, uh, again, I don't have the answer. I, I feel more and more in the unknown but living in the unknown is really juicy getting more and more and more juicy like it's a fucking mystery we're living in and if we think we got it figured out or if we think we know what's going on i would say look again you know the more i'm going like but that living in the unknown is getting very very alive i don't know if that makes sense it's like yeah the preparation as sue was pointing out like we have any really depth of spiritual regeneration to me has that a component. It's all pointing to how do you live in this mystery? How do you just trust it? And again, then 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 you get labeled, oh, then you're just one of these new age, you know, airheads who just denies everything. And I say, no, denial's not possible anymore. We did that enough. (laughs) So that's my current take on it. And I think that's what I felt out of the the Mirabai uh, uh, dialogue. Uh, Again, she's not the only, I'm not here to go, she's the new savior. But, you know, again, you know, I just say, I think we're getting what we need. Let's just use it, right? Like, trust, man, you're going to find the book you need right in that moment to give you your the guidance, you're going to walk outside. If you're back into a debilitating pattern that you developed at three, two years old to survive, which I think we did. I think every single one of us did this. We created belief systems when we were very, very young. And never mind past lives. I'm not even going to go there, but there, because I think it's all present here then we can we can see it you know we can start to bring it and make it conscious and making things conscious is what it's all about i i want to kind of come back a little bit to sue's initial presentation about the mythology of avalon yeah. and i've been getting very interested in in myths and storytelling and um I recently had a dream that was um, there was a lot of chaos going on in, with houses and people, etc., and which is obvious because we're trying to sell the house and it, there's a lot of house energy and yeah. stuff going on. Uh, but so I I ended up stepping out of that scene in the dream, and then a big red brown horse came into the picture and all of a sudden I'm more into a, a very lush green area and there's a big tree uh, that this horse has a man on top sitting on top of the horse and they're heading for this tree and I'm momentarily scared you know momentarily I wonder am I safe and then I see he has a young woman with him and both of them are going up in the tree she turns out to be his apprentice and he is teaching her uh, how to harvest the fruit. And so I see that. I said, oh, that's just amazing. And, of course, I woke up after that. But it was so mythological, you know. And 
uh, we talk a lot about and there are endless possibilities. But when we talk about that, yeah, there are endless possibilities. To me, that becomes kind of a uh, almost an empty space. It has no focus, you know. But I think in a way, we have to think about possibilities in a lot more specific way and in a very different way. We have to stop thinking about our logical way of functioning and that, okay, I don't, uh, I, I can't uh, uh, open myself up to that person because they have all these preconceived notions. And so I have preconceived notion. I don't want to engage, but we don't know where, where that myth, where that new option pops up. And it comes in, in, it can come in very surprising ways. And I'm reading, again, going back to Sue talking about Merlin, I'm reading this book by Merlin Sheldrake. And he's uh, writing about the entangled life of fungi and, and uh, mycorrhizal networks and how they exist and they, uh, it, they don't have a leader. They don't have to follow a leader. They all sort of instinctively can, can, can work together. When something works, they all of a sudden unite. And if they're looking for something and there's an option to choose, the left or the right, we as humans go, well, do I go to the right or yeah. do I go to the left? And we make a choice. They don't do that. They go both ways. You know, some go the, to the right, some go to the left, and somebody on the left makes makes a connection with, with, with a rotten log or whatever. And somehow they're able to translate this energy to the one that's gone to the right. So they all become, they all start to realign again yeah. to, in order to grow and to move forward. And, you know, it just makes me think of how often we limit ourselves with our choices because we think we have to control or, uh, you know, like with this house sale, I have to stay ahead of the game. I have to make sure this happens and that happens. And I may very well put obstacles in the way. Mm -hmm. So now I have Jane St. Joseph helping me. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and and uh, we had some visitors the other day that were uh, a very um, disruptive energy, and afterwards I realized, oh my God, my my house is a, is a sanctuary, and they just disrupted it, and so I made every effort to burn some incense and clear the air. But it, I feel like I'm 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 kind of. Or I, I feel like I want to be open to that that possibility of mythology of of thinking a totally different way. Our mythology is ruined, you know. Our our society has ruined our mythologies. They've made them into monsters. The you know the goddesses are now uh, uh, monsters, and and we don't have the mythology that supports our stories anymore. <clears throat> I think because the mythologies have been co-opted by um, the powers that be to create uh, myths that align with their agendas and and not like yeah, but they were ba basically that all the colonization and 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 yeah. uh, being subjugated and all that yeah the the myth myths we they don't want us to think in 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 a different direction with mm -hmm. our mythologies. So best to get rid of them. Well, our mythologies, they're no longer organic. They're no, no. longer coming from humanity because That's right. uh, it's its kind of like the whole agenda now is to merge, you know, this transhumanist agenda. Let's merge the human beings with robots and things like that. And I don't think it's possible for artificial intelligence to have mythologies um, that, as far as mm. I know as far as I can uh, mm -hmm. understand from what I know about it. But um, the, you were talking about the uh, the mythologies that uh, influence us. And if, if Mirabai Star, who I'm not, I'm not super familiar with her. So I'll go and watch that video. But if she's talking about, um, uh, the feminine archetype a lot. I think that's super important because mm -hmm. what she we've does. lost yeah. now 
is an understanding. And I'm not saying everyone has to, you know, delve into Carl Jung and have an intellectual concept of what the archetypes are. But I think people do have an organic, natural understanding of what the archetypes are. And um, they act uh, according to those archetypes. And, you know, the, the even the term archetype, I mean, it's just something to analyze, to categorize uh, these processes that are very normal in humanity, how humanity unfolds, how humanity expresses itself. And so what I see going on is we have this divergence of the tracks and many spiritual guru people have talked about this going on, that the the, the tracks are going to, they've been kind of parallel and then now they're diverging and they're really going far apart. And the people who are going one on one track seem to be very, very invested in um, upholding their version uh, of reality that doesn't allow anything for the mysteries. Right. It doesn't allow anything for understanding what uh, the importance of archetypes in our lives and you know these are the people kind of following this political woke path and uh transgenderism and all this and pushing you know puberty blockers on nine-year-olds and stuff like that so um and i was a tomboy i mean imagine if i was growing up now you know and the school psychologist would probably say oh put her on you know puberty blockers and she'd schedule her for a sex change operation and all this stuff. I mean, you, yeah, that's what yeah. they're doing with the kids now, right? I, I mean, imagine if that. I, I can't imagine if that had happened to me. You know how horrible. Uh, but, and then we have the other track that's going the other way. Of the people who are looking more into the mysteries and looking more into the archetypes and how they inform our lives and delving more into our own spirituality and how uh, the reality that we see outside ourselves is a reflection of what is inside and so forth and so on. So in in one sense, I think we have a, a portion of us and probably that this is the listeners of our show, right? We're, we're on this track that's looking into the mysteries of life because these are the things that have always been important. So no matter what people are saying, oh, the mysteries aren't important, that's not important. Uh, the only value is the intellectual analysis and blah 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 and we know that's not true sometimes we don't know know why we know it's not true but we just know yeah. and then we've got the other people that are going so far in the other direction and like worship the science you know as if the science is something concrete that you can uh, say never changes and a, sci a, a real scientist would be the first one to say science always changes yeah. that's the whole point of science yeah yeah, it, it it is this incredible paradox. I I tend to look at it as a the mirror of what's happening out there as we look in the world and we look at the agendas and we we can see it from many points of view. From as you mentioned earlier, you know we can and and we all can look out and form our opinions on what's happening. It, I feel it's important the integration of these really polarizing energies, which I think to me is what spirituality is about, you know, in our personal and collective lives. So the, to me, it's holding the paradox of really what we, what is a quite evil appearing agenda sometime. And we would probably if you have a group of people in a room, they would disagree on what those agendas are, what they felt were, were evil. You know, that's what the interesting thing is. I see it very much in my personal life. It affects me more personally than collectively. I just tend to work that way. So I'm, you know, I've been involved in with a few situations recently where there appears to be a real manipulative agenda behind some things that are going on in my personal life with some family and so forth. 
and it, it's so easy to really get into this polarizing thing of I've got to deal with this. I've got to stop it. I've got to call it out. And what I am seeing is more and more. And again, there's no one way to do it. I'm not saying we don't call things out or we shouldn't say things or we shouldn't try to stop things that we don't believe is life affirming, but it's a tricky dance because in a way, the deeper we go into the heart of what we really essentially are, we come into that energy that includes everything, everything, everything is appearing in this same field. That is the oneness that we point to. So challenging to be able to see that. So I'm, what I keep getting, and I said it in different ways earlier, is to integrate that while we are fighting our battles, while we are standing up for what we don't want to go with, simultaneously looking at what we call the other or the enemy and really bowing to the reality of what they really are. They really are us, <laughs> you know, they really are the same energy at the core of it all. So how it all works in the totality is so impossible for us to see. We're very good with the cause and effect. Well, this happened, this happened, this happened, you know, but to your point earlier, Magdalena, you know, but how do we, you know, it's this challenge of living in the mystery of not so, having too many conclusions. Let, let me ask you, uh, you know, you're talking about, so there was this conflict in, in your family, you want to, well, let me ask you then without necessarily have to spell it all out. How, yes. how were you able to put, put some obvious restraints on yourself in terms of, of still getting what you needed and honoring the other person, but also yeah. for you to step forward to get what you wanted. And can yeah. you be more specific about that? Yeah. Because well, I, I think I, this is what we all struggle with, yes, you know, yeah, like yeah. Uh, when do we say no and, and make a move Yeah, and it coming, it, it can have an adverse effect. Yeah. I, I think it's a simultaneity of, this is the dance. This is the dance we're all on. We're just having to reconcile the impossible, really, you know? And that's why it is so amazing. I mean, if I step back, which in this moment, I feel very stepped back, and I can see in this moment the the way it works, not that I understand how it works, but it's all fucking working together. And it's this letting go. Often these days where I used to strategize, uh, my whole personality is one big strategy. I'm not kidding. I can see how I've developed, you know, this persona. And that's what our personas are, really. I'm not saying they're bad, but they really are programs, really, you know, of how we learn to survive in this. So what to answer your question, I guess what I'm seeing more these days is, I don't know. I, I, I'll take a stand in the moment if it feels like it's what I need to do. And I'm hoping, praying that I have enough discernment. And oftentimes it looks like I'm really blowing it or I'm in a trip or I'm really lost it and I'm really scared. You know, the consequences seem overwhelming. But what I've noticed is the, the, the strength and this is the, the spiritual game. This is what we want. You know, I've got the power. The power is really what I really am. It's within me. And it's that in the Buddhist, you know, they call it the emptiness or the fullness or the mystic, whatever it is. It's that I can handle it. And it's going to make me more of that energy. You know, so there's where the portal comes in. You know, it's like, I got to turn it over. These days, I've got a really another challenging family. I'm not going to obviously go into details on a public forum. But, uh, man, I'm turning it over. That's all I can do. I have no idea what to do. All I can do is go, 
goddess, God, you know, this is where God appears outside of us. We know God is, is what we are. We are that energy. It's within our heart. It's beating our heart. It's, it's as close as our breath. But sometimes, you know, we just go, my mind is too much trying to strategize. I've just got to like, take it. Let the greater energy just take it from me. And that for me, that's been working. I can tell you who knows what's going to happen, but I feel that with all the craziness that uh, has appeared lately, I also see it's all working out. It's all working out. And I can translate that to the greater world, you know, with all the agendas that Sue brought up and, you know, some of the things that are happening. So I just want to basically know, show me my role in this. Let me know where am I supposed to speak? What am I supposed to say? Just give me the next step right now. And that's about all I can do. And then you have to be open to the answer that you get or the feeling that you get that indicates what, you know, because you can always second guess, guess yourself. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's not a black and white thing. It's a lived thing, right? Mm -hmm. We got to live this. And that's what we, it's hard for us. Like Rilke's letters to the young poet, you remember that book he wrote, you know, and the essence was, you just have to, you have all these questions, but you have to live into the answers. That's what it demands of us. We can't call it in. Okay, we're all one. Thanks. Hang up. <laughs> it's and, we, not, and we can't and we can't just turn it all over either at yeah. some point. And I I don't think that's what you're no, saying. No, that's not what does, I'm saying. Yeah. No, but uh, you know, but we do say yes. We have to turn it over and let it go. But we also have to act. Yeah. But we also act, have yeah. to act. We cannot necessarily. Well, there are times to withdraw, but there are times to move forward and it's risky and we don't know the outcome. And I think uh, that that's, that's where we get scared. That's where we hold back. That's where we opinionate it and all that. And that's where we block ourselves from, from moving forward. Oftentimes. But I just want to say one thing, and we're talking language on so many levels. So language from a dualistic 3D world is different from a languaging that's coming from a much more inclusive place. It's never for me about action or non-action. It's always about where's the action coming from. So I know when my action comes from the, you know, just the thoughts, you know, the thought maze or labyrinth. But if if I can step back and get a much more expansive view, it allows me, you know, to really listen, as Sue said, am I listening, you know, about the next action, right? What to do. And then being brave, you have to be brave. You have to be brave to to do what it says. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. But that's But it's so exciting, though. I just got to say, I mean, this is what really is the juice of life. That's all. I mean, I'm not saying we all love suffering, but but holy suffering, mm-hmm. holy suffering is part but, of it. Yeah, but I, I also want to add something to that because action, you say it all comes out of our brain, and a lot of it does with our thoughts and how right, we want to right. manipulate. Evil. But but there, there are energies out there as well that draw us in and that um, are not necessarily coming from our ego. And, and uh, sometimes we have to go there. Right. And you have to have the discernment to know, yeah. um, you know, Whether is it's this dangerous is- or safe? Yeah. Or, and, and, or or the discernment to know, you know, is this something like it's totally my personal agenda and I'm going to push this through no matter what, or am I compelled by some other force, you know? So, you know, my, my friend Derwin used to say that people were programmed by television shows like TV sitcoms (laughs) to have um, conflicts and uh, be resolved in half an hour or an hour. Right. And, right. And and what I see more and more in my life, you know, like I'll, I, of course, we all have agendas. I want, I have things I want to happen. And then I'll come into a conflict with somebody 
and they don't want they want something else and i've seen more and more that if i just state my case and then leave it and don't try to push it through all the way don't try to put that nail in just put the case put the case out there this is what i think and then don't try to resolve it you know why because yeah. there's no need to resolve it immediately and then I'm going to say eight and a half times out of 10, it ends up that uh, it goes the way I think that it should go. And yeah. I'm, I'm not saying I'm always right. You know, yeah. of course, yeah. sometimes I, I am wrong, but um, uh, especially in my dealings with younger, the, the younger guys that I mentor, you For know, music. In, my, yeah. in my work, you know, yeah. I, I'm sorry. A lot of time, most of the time, I do know better because of my experience, sure. and <laughs> in in the business, you know, and how <laughs> I just know. And I've seen, I've seen the shit go down. You know, I've seen the meltdowns. I know what's going to happen if we don't do this. You know, but I don't try to push it through. I just say that this, this could happen, and and then I leave it. And then usually they come around to see that. Um, the, the reason in that argument. So it's just the unfoldment over time. And, and this is the same thing with like karma. You know, people have this idea that karma is something that unfolds within a life. It, it doesn't. Karma is yeah. over eons. So we can't even see what real karma is. No, we can't. And, and, and that's a beautiful comment, you know, and the, the trust, the unfolding, and we get better at it. Don't mm-hmm. we? Don't we get better at it? And I think that's what, Cracking is about I hope to so. me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and who was it? Dickinson says the best of times and the worst of times. The worst of our collective, the, as Leonard, one of my favorite artists, Leonard Cohen, you know, it's the cracks where the light gets in. That's you know, right. you know, and we are in those cracks. And I just say, let's use them. That's all I'm the saying. The problem is we do, we are not in the cracks. We don't think we are in the cracks. We don't <laughs> want to see the cracks. That is a big problem. Well, and that, and you know, that's, we, yeah, well, that's, that's the whole game. And that's going, maybe should be our next podcast. We can look being at the, in cracks, the cracks, being sure. in the cracks. I think but, we're going to wind up soon. And, but maybe we could, uh, any other comments? This to me was well, a very lively was conversation. One, the, there was one thing, and it's, it's a little bit off subject, but maybe not. You can tie it in, Johanna. You said you wanted to cry more. And Sue, Sue question, what? You want to cry more? <laughs> yeah. I, I, I just would like to wrap that one up. Can you wrap it up for me? <laughs> Well, I, I I understand what I, you're saying. Well, I but I would like to know more. I used to think my lack of crying and things was a kind of a gift, and, and in a way it is. You know, I think I was born this life very detached. I've had childhood trauma, and that will we'll save all that for later. But um, I I can see certain things now, and the emotional connection for me even at this late stage is is really opening me up it's cracking speaking of the cracks it's cracking me open so sometimes that comes with tears there therefore the comment i wish i would cry more you know if i were to say i would love a big sob fest when i see people <laughs> doing that i'm kind of jealous uh, it depends again it's like where the tears coming from mm-hmm. uh, tears tears are like rain yeah, that's what I always say when someone really is is crying all the time. Oh, I shouldn't be crying. I said, listen, you know, uh, my sister-in-law just lost my brother. And uh, so she said she's doing a lot of crying and she she hopes to stop pretty soon. And I said, well, just look at it as rain. It's nourishing yeah. the body. And, you know, when I went through yeah. menopause, I cried all the time and I would cry in the car and I cry walking and. Mm-hmm. It, it felt really good, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's it's I, no nothing hung up about it. It's just the body's letting go. Yeah, and that's why letting go is so transforming. Letting go of whatever. But anyway, we'll wrap it up there yeah. and well, save that yeah, for I our just next podcast. To... <laughs> yeah, but thank you, ladies, for um, uh, part, you know, being here. It's always great to explore yeah. these things. Thank you. And it was a good conversation. Out, yeah, yeah, check we did out, well. 
Yeah, check out our uh, website, crackingtherealitycode.com. So we'll see you next time. Ciao. Bye, girls. Thanks for joining us today. Our website is crackingtherealitycode.com, where you can sign up to know about our newest podcasts and read our curated info on consciousness, ancient wisdom, healing, plant medicine, and the new science. Until next time, keep cracking the reality code.